Hello everyone, welcome back to a new podcast episode um, and yeah I can't believe it's October already um, and yeah it, it's crazy, it, it's crazy how this year's flying by because um, it's, it's going to soon be 2024 sooner but yeah. But yeah, today uh, it's 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 gonna be a really good episode. I'm joined with Natasha, and um, she's gonna be talking about um, t- take a pain check a little bit, what that is, maybe a little bit about her personal journey as well. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's gonna be a really cool conversation today. So Natasha, would you mind just saying a little, little bit about you, um, a little bit about um, an introduction? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Natasha. I am in my third year of university um, at the University of Ottawa, which is in Canada. Um, And I was diagnosed with juvenile idiopathic arthritis at the age of 13. So it's been almost seven years, which is crazy to me. Um, And I started to take a pain track, which is a was a podcast, it's still a podcast, but now also a nonprofit organization to support and empower young people with rheumatic diseases um, globally. So literally anywhere around the world through content creation, advocacy, awareness, events, initiatives. And so that's kind of what I've been up to since October, 2021 to now. And it's been going really well. Yeah, it must keep you busy doing all that. Oh yeah, it definitely does. I think it's like the fun part of school and everything else that's happening in my life. I always just like kind of go into it and go to it. And it's just a fun thing to kind of engage myself in because I see the impact that it makes. Yeah, it's it's good to find like um, an organization that can uh, help other people that um, may have a similar experience to you or a totally different experience, which is, which is the best thing. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, start with a podcast and now more um, a non-profit um, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so so when you first started that, was it like unexpected, really? Or was it kind of just a moment kind of thinking thing? I guess for a long time, I feel like a lot of people can relate to this and maybe even you you can't find people that have the same conditions as you it's so hard it's like now you have this diagnosis and you have no idea how to navigate it and on top of that you don't have social support emotional support like any support aside from perhaps your family which is not the case for many people and so for me at least yes i had my family but i didn't know anyone else that had arthritis that was 13 years old because a lot of the times people think arthritis is for grandmas old people like all of that stigma and for me at least i was like okay now that i have this how do i advocate for myself which was really hard because how do you advocate for accommodations how do you talk about your arthritis to other people like so many different things and after i kind of build those skills with a bunch of challenges throughout school i was like okay now that i have these skills how do i advocate for others and like initially i was in grade 12 when i started the podcast i was really hesitant uh, because i was scared to talk about my arthritis and let alone like share it with a bunch of people online. And I guess just like conversations that I had with a lot of a couple of people that I found with arthritis eventually, they were saying that they didn't have any like social or emotional support. So I was like, okay, let's start something. Let's start a podcast. So I started talking to other people with arthritis from everywhere with all these different backgrounds and experiences. And I realized that, you know, people started reaching out to me and saying, oh, like, we really like what you're doing. Can we actually talk to some of the guests? Can we talk to you? Um, Research has actually shown like all these different things, what you're doing kind of matches research. So I just saw like people coming to me saying that this is really important. They really liked it. And then I turned it into an organization to do more than just like just a podcast. Yeah, that that is good. It is like a a long journey, isn't it? like even creating a podcast in the first place because um it's not as easy as it looks <laughs> oh yeah no not like for sure it's not I, originally it was weekly and then I changed it to bi-weekly because with the schoolwork I used to do six courses now I do five courses but you know as you go up in terms of like education and career like it's hard to manage all these different things on top of like living with a chronic illness and then adding school and work and then adding your extracurriculars, your podcasts, like it's a lot. And on top of that, you know, marketing, editing, 
filming, scheduling, like I know you get it too. There's just so much. Yeah, like um, there is, it is, it, that's the that's the good thing about it though, we can arrange it when we want, schedule it when we want, um, there's no like kind of pressure, but um, it is, um, it is a task though, like to communicate maybe with someone that you don't know um, at the start, um, and then you, you, you like, even sometimes you might get a message saying, I, I want to come on your podcast or you might message them. Um, and I always find if you message like at least a couple of people, you're probably going to get at least one person respond and done none. No, yeah, I agree with that. And on top of that, just like, yeah, you said the outreach aspect of it, reaching out to people, finding people, researching people. I do have people on my team now that kind of help me with some of those things. But before that, it's so hard to navigate this whole space yourself. And having that support is so important. So yeah, I mean, good for you for like even doing this. I think it's the communication aspect that you mentioned. It's hard to kind of like now you're sharing your story and other people's stories on the internet to so many people who are watching, whether that be like they're going to be inspired from that, they're going to do something with their life when they hear these stories. But it's just so a lot of thought and like I guess time goes into this and I feel some feel like sometimes people don't realize that it's like okay yeah let me just like talk on a call that's a podcast there's so much thinking before it actually happens yeah the like my logo of the podcast has changed about maybe three or four times the name's changed um it was it, it was originally called um my journey um my journey with Crohn's disease that, that that's what it was called because I I, I don't know what a podcast was <laughs> I just thought it's something that you talk to yourself um but and then and then you get bored when that happens you're talking I had a thing I think I did about four episodes or maybe three episodes um that I was just talking to, talking to myself sharing my journey on their little app it weren't online like this um and I thought it's oh, a bit boring people could get bored hearing my voice all the time um talking talk to myself and then and then you actually find out you can actually have guests you can record like this. Um, and then it's actually fun, isn't it? It's fun to talk to a, a different person and hear about them. Even if you don't know them or you may know them um, and you get to know them. So that 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 is the yeah. best thing. Yeah, for sure. I think also I actually learn from a lot of people that I talk to. Like I wouldn't get the information uh, anywhere else but from the conversations that I have with people like sometimes I find that my doctors my nurses my physiotherapists like they don't give me all the information but listening to other people and their experiences kind of help me decide what I want to do obviously with medical and professional guidance but it just gives me other perspectives on different topics that I would not have learned about if I did not have a podcast not to say that everyone should start their podcast, but I'm just, I think you could definitely learn from other people's podcasts and listening to them. But for me, at least like just having these conversations has allowed me to gain more knowledge about my experience and also other people's experiences and how I can apply that in my life, which has been really great. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Like you hear about every person's perspective um, on it and if 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 they would do something and it, it like like you say it's it's good to have like family members who are supportive but if you have people out there who have it like you or have the same condition that they are going to um understand like they will understand what it's like um for sure but with your journey um Natasha um with arthritis um what what was it um what when you was diagnosed so how how did that like come about um at the start yeah it was really weird because i feel like no one thinks about a child getting arthritis it's just not very common and i think a lot of the conditions too right people don't think about children getting lots of these chronic illnesses and conditions but in reality it does happen and for me specifically, mine is juvenile idiopathic arthritis, meaning that there's no known cause. So it makes it even worse because you're like, well, where did this come from? Oh, no known cause. For me, when it started, uh, I was playing tennis and one random day, my finger was swollen, my wrist was swollen, like everything started very slowly and then quickly 
kind of went everywhere all around my body, like my feet, my ankles, swollen, in pain, couldn't lift up a tennis racket, couldn't lift up a tennis ball, couldn't play piano, like nothing that I used to do. And so all these things, it's like, okay, I have to quit it. I have to quit it. I can't go back. It hurts. Um, and so we wrapped my hands and my fingers around with like tape to, because I think my parents and I, we thought it was a sprain but it wasn't. And for one month, we would just like wrap it around, hope for it to go away, never went away. So then I went to the doctor, the doctor ordered blood tests and x-ray. It showed that my rheumatoid factor was really high and that I had some um, damage in my joints. And so then I was referred to a rheumatologist at the hospital for sick children in downtown Toronto. And that's kind of where my journey started. It was really quick. Everything kind of happened in the span of one month, which is not common for a lot of people living with chronic illnesses in their diagnosis journeys. I felt symptoms at the beginning, I think, of September, end of September, and then I was diagnosed in October. So it was like super quick of 2016. Yeah, it, it does happen. Uh, for, I don't know we've got totally different things, but um, it, it, it does happen. It can happen fast. It can happen slow. It's it's really weird because when when we hear other people's journeys um, about how slow theirs are or how fast theirs are, um, it's it's pretty crazy how the diagnosis can happen um, out of nowhere, really. Um, because when I was diagnosed with Crohn's, I was uh, that was twenty seventeen, and um, like diagnosed in October as well. <laughs> um, and it wasn't an ideal time, really, because um, October is winter, um, and like the winter season isn't great if you have a chronic illness. So, um, it like it's not the best, and like I didn't know of it um, personally. I, I'd never heard of it before, so I just thought I got a cold, a sick cold or something. Um, get over it, and then not it with it you you can't you have to take things for for the rest of your life and it, it's a life change isn't it when you get diagnosed with any sort of chronic illness really because there's loads of them there's there there, there is loads of them <laughs> oh yeah there definitely is and as you mentioned sort of of okay now you have to like take all these medications it is like never ending and hopefully research will be done we'll be able to find cures in the future all that but in the meantime you have to realize that like this is your reality and now with this reality how are you going to navigate that space and like how are you going to adapt to now living with this chronic illness which is really hard because you've never heard of it before you don't really know anyone i mean some people i've talked to they have parents or grandparents or siblings that have the condition so in that sense i mean it's not that great that everyone has it but they have that support from the start whereas like for me for example or for other people I'm like the only one that has juvenile idiopathic arthritis, never heard of it ever. So with my parents' support, obviously they've been able to help me navigate that. And with my sibling support, they're also always there if I need to talk to them, but, and also my friends too, but no one really knows what it's like to live with it. And so it's, it's nice to find people that live with it so you can actually connect with them and talk to them about it. Yeah. That is the highlight of it and of anything we get diagnosed with, really, um, because like it once you, but well, once you get told it's rare, like you, you, you might have got told it's rare to get diagnosed arthritis at age of thirteen, um, and then maybe in your mind you're thinking, hang on a minute, am I the only one in the world? Because there, it, it, there are things that happen, like there, there, there there's, it, I had someone on that has. I can't remember what it was called, but he was the only maybe one or three or two people in the world that had this mm -hmm. rare condition um, um, or disease. So, and then, and I think he met at least one of those people. But it's when, when you get told it's rare, um, I, I think when we get diagnosed with something and they say it's rare, they should at least tell us that you're not the only ones. Um, yeah. Because rare can mean. It could be the only, it's really, really rare. No, no one in the world can ever get that. It's a rare circumstance. So yeah, it's scary when you get told that though. Yeah, and I also find that with that term comes a lot of assumptions and us kind of defining that for ourselves. Whereas it would be nice even in the healthcare space to get 
more information about some of the medical terms or just the terms that they use. I feel like as a patient diagnosed, we're super vulnerable and we kind of just jump to conclusions, trying to find answers as soon as we're diagnosed. So obviously it's very common that if you see the word rare, you're like, okay, I'm the only one. But if they provide us with more information and make us fear, feel more, I guess, un understanding of what we're going through, but also like provide us with that support and empathy. I think that makes such a big difference because it makes us feel more confident to navigate this condition. Whereas if we had no information, we'll just be Googling things, guessing things where that's not like always the right place to go. Like if the healthcare professionals and the experts provide us with that information that we actually understand, it'll make such a big difference. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely would because like when if you don't get enough information then like you get diagnosed until you to go home maybe gives you a leaflet um and and then maybe we're thinking hang on a minute wait we've got to go home uh we've just been in hospital where for god knows how long to, to get told we're going to go home after we got diagnosed and we know nothing about the condition we've just been diagnosed with and then of course like you say we're, we're gonna go home go on google type whatever we have and then that's when it gets bad because you see all the stuff on there that that uh that 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 that, that that's not good um to read um so like, like you say if there was more tell us more in the first place um we would may wouldn't be as fiery or maybe as scared to do that yeah i think even resources are super important I remember when i was diagnosed i was given this maybe one page whenever you get a medication you're given this one page document at least here in canada of what the medication is what are all the side effects and i'm like really <laughs> like you're reading these side effects i'm like no i don't want to take this but if the information was provided to us in a different manner if we we're able to talk to other people that have been on the medication and, and kind of heard their success stories but also seen the other side of it, like given all this information and all these resources, I feel like we can make such a better informed decision of what we want to do rather than just like running away from taking medications or running away from just the reality of what it is. Yeah, yeah, because as we know, medication is very um, annoying and like if one doesn't work or in fact, if we have to go on one anyway, because how much maybe effects there is and how much damage that they can cause on us. Um, so to read those long lists of whatever is in the medication, uh, it's very small writing as well, isn't it? Like you got really small when you you go on, you get medication, you you look on it and all the side effects or or what it can cause. Yeah, that is the uh annoying thing but um but if a medication works that that is good for a while because we probably know we can't be on a certain medication for the rest of our lives um because it will probably cause more damage to us but yeah the ideal world is not to be on any medication but if it helps us that's good yeah exactly yeah definitely um but i know when i was at school um which was I just got it. <laughs> um, there was a, I, I don't know if it was, a, I would say it was a stigma. I'll see what you, you think of it. Because uh, you, you, you might have, before you got diagnosed, you, you people might, might, might have been like this too, if, if you did it. So say you would be at school and you click your fingers um, and they would say, uh, like random, ran, random people would come to me and say, um, don't do that, you're, you you'll probably get arthritis when you're older, like you say, the the stigma of getting having arthritis when you get older. So um, for me, because I have hypermobility, um, and clicking my fingers or clicking any joints in, in any way is relaxing to me, um, and especially on my kneecaps. Um, if I don't do it for ages, I don't know, it just feels nice. Um, but you'd get people out there who would make that. A stigma oh, it probably is bad for you they're probably not wrong but um but yeah the, the stigma like you say when you're older to get arthritis but but you can get it when you're younger as well yeah that's the thing i think there are lots of common 
especially I think not only limited to the school setting but also the workplace too they've had people make certain comments on why my finger might be swollen which is not very appropriate for them to kind of point out and then I've heard people say multiple comments about other things related to arthritis or why do you walk so slow why do you get out of gym class like are you just lazy so all these comments when really they don't know what it's like to live with this condition that's so life-changing and if you were able to handwrite go to school properly not miss school do gym class like do everything that any other kid would do like we would be so grateful to do that but they don't understand that and there's lots of comments and i guess lots of bullying out there and lots of bullies out there which i think definitely for me at least stopped over time i think as you grow older things hopefully get better there will still be people there but for me at least i haven't needed to because i think when you go to college and university you're in such a big space and environment where no one's really going to recognize if you need accommodations or anything it's just you just go to the accommodation services yourself write your exam you might not see the same people next semester whereas when you're in like middle school or elementary school or high school you're with the same people almost all the time so they will have more of a tendency to make comments because they see you every single day and so i find that that's been very interesting like an observation that i've seen just in terms of stigma and comments and bullying that has definitely changed like over time and it for me at least it got better where people they wouldn't really ask questions because i could be very subtle about it but i also realized that everyone's condition is not as invisible as mine like arthritis is for some people is very invisible so for me if anyone saw me they wouldn't know i had arthritis but i think with other conditions it's very obvious yeah yeah because of course like it's very invisible um a lot of the chronic illnesses are that's the annoying thing like you can't actually see it like on the outside um and that is the most annoying part of it because we would love people to see it um in a way because we won't have to explain ourselves half a dozen times um a lot of the time um i i remember when i, when I was diagnosed it was a year last year of college no school not college um last year of school and i um i'd get a taxi to school and then i wasn't there for about maybe a week or two um because i was in hospital and um they are dead as soon as i get back in the taxi i um i say do do do, do you know where i've been for these last two weeks um because sometimes I laugh, so I laugh, so I like to ask people questions just to see what their response is going to be. I'm not going to tell them straight off. I want to see what they think, what I've been doing. So I, it's, it's quite funny that their response that they, that they say they thought I was on holiday for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. <laughs> wow, okay. I mean, that's like a nice way to see it, but that's not what's actually happening. <laughs> yeah. I wish was, you were on a holiday. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to be. I was I was booked to go to um Amsterdam, I I was um but I couldn't I had to be able to be cancelled just because I got really ill, um and I was supposed to go to Barcelona when it was the start of the pandemic and couldn't go there so <laughs> holidays weren't working for me these last couple of years, <laughs> yeah, um but the the a story short of it was that I looked like a zombie. Like I look at like the pictures, I lost a lot of weight and everything like that. So I did. It, it's strange that people wouldn't notice that, and like we say, it's like your appearance, and everyone's look on you as an appearance is totally different. Yeah, but I think do you, I think there's still a lot needs to be done with that. Do you, do you do you think with like people's kind of how they speak to you about um maybe think about what they say before they they come out of it? Oh yeah, I think there also needs to be education and awareness about it. I think people need to know that things like this exist and then how to talk to people when they do get it. Like oftentimes I've heard people say different comments which are not very necessary when someone lives with a chronic illness, for example. 
um, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Just continue handwriting or just continue walking up the mountain. You know what I mean? Like I've heard comments like, oh, it'll go away. Don't worry. Or just like take this thing and you'll be cured. Lots of different comments that are very unnecessary for people living with chronic illnesses. And so if we can kind of stay away from those comments and kind of switch the way we're going to say things. So, for example, like, is there anything that I can help you with instead of, you know, you'll be fine. It'll go away. Don't worry about it. Just like the the tone, the switch in tone and the switch in words to make it more of like you are willing to help them, but also not like every five seconds asking if they need help. I feel like that also gets really annoying sometimes. So just kind of educating people on how to talk to people with chronic illnesses, even though we want to make it as normal per se as possible. Like you don't want to make it so obvious, but sometimes there's just comments that you just don't need to say. And so I think raising awareness about those comments and also like teaching people, what are these chronic illnesses? What does it actually do to people that may be sitting beside you in class or what it, what it may be doing to people that work with you in the workplace or that you may see somewhere and how to like navigate that as either an acquaintance, a peer, a caretaker, like caregiver, like it could be like literally anyone um, and just like how to navigate those conversations. I think like creating something about that would be really interesting because I think it'll somehow help people to be more considerate and think about what they say before they say it. Yeah, that, 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 that is what needs to happen, I think. And like, like you say, with education, a lot needs to be done. Like, um, there's, we just have the normal lessons, don't we? Like, it's the same. It's been the same for ages. Like, you'd, you'd have your English, your maths, stuff like that. And, like, I think there does need to be at least some realisation about what it is. Like, of course, you can't go into, into every single chronic illness into depth. But maybe just do it as a whole. What what a chronic illness is? How many there is? There there's loads of them, and um, a lot of them have similarities, but a lot of them have differences. So it is it's something that needs to happen because it, it's hard. It is hard to go outside if you're sometimes a chronic illness can make us really vulnerable and you know compromised as well. Sometimes dependent on what we take for. Our chronic illness um and it's annoying when you people don't always believe you or they they don't take it for granted that we're actually talking about a serious thing um like if we say maybe stay back or don't come so close let me know if you've got a cold um they, they take it very seriously some people some people are not um but like if you don't like handshakes like you don't know where everyone's hands have been so just little things like that um people might not like it but tough <laughs> yeah being like more considerate about people's preferences and their values and beliefs because you want to be respectful these people have been through so much and i mean the people not living with the chronic illness has all have also been through different experiences and stuff so just being mindful and like considerate and respectful, I think can make such a big difference in the interactions that you have. And also like make sure that they're feeling that they're okay. And you also maintain that friendship and their trust. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a good way to put it because you you wanna like the highlight of having a chronic illness is like like we say, we we meet people, we make new friends. Um I love people when they um, have a chronic illness and they actually want to go into the field. Let's say they want to work at the hospital or they want to do something like that. Uh, I think it's great. I think more people who do that and say they have patients who have that as well. Uh, it's 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 great. It, it's great. It, it, it's great to see that. And if you're going to feel more comfortable under maybe a nurse or a doctor or a consultant that has a chronic illness than someone who doesn't. Because even though someone who doesn't probably has all the color, like they know, they will know things because they have to, but you'll just feel more comfortable around someone who, who has it. Um, yeah. chronic illness. That's my plan, actually. Like, I do want to be a rheumatologist, and I'm currently working towards that. Hopefully, I do see the difference. Like, I think there can be such a big difference in care when you bring in people that actually live with the condition. And when they talk to patients, they really 
emphasize and empathize kind of how they feel and their experiences with the patients and so it just makes such a big difference yeah it 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 definitely does and um because it's, it's just that level of understanding and how how they treat you um yeah it's it's it's, it's just a really good thing to to have someone it's rare as well it's getting more common now i think but um it's rare that you'll find someone that has that but it's good that you want to go into that though <laughs> thanks <laughs> lots of work though so that's yeah. the thing also i think there's lots of like barriers and hurdles to get there and so i think there's some programs that actually you know like think about people that have disabilities or think about people that are in marginalized communities lower socioeconomic status when they apply to the field of medicine and other fields and so that's nice that they're, they're bringing more awareness that you know we are not always treated equally as other people and we're at a disadvantage so how do we still provide these people that are at a disadvantage with equal opportunities as others that can like probably achieve it easier than we can and so I hope there's more awareness about that and they start to do more things like that because it is hard like living with a chronic illness and trying to be a doctor mm-hmm. whereas someone who like doesn't live with one and wants to be a doctor like there's on top of like the school, the studying and the work, there's now, okay, like taking my medications, making sure I'm not in a flare up, making sure that the side effects of the medications doesn't affect me the other day. So I can actually study and do my work, going to appointments, missing, like there's just so much more. So taking that into consideration is so important because there are people that are passionate that are disadvantaged that want to be in this field. It's just 10 times or a hundred times harder for them yeah it, it is it is hard like it, it, it even even for just going for a blood test um which if it, like those of us that have chronic illness do that a lot um may, may, maybe more so at the start of our journey but uh still we still have to do it. uh just get our levels checked um but the, the thing that i find that i i um i like is when i have it my blood test from uh where where I got my blood test everyone knows who I am near enough uh but I like to have it or any injection when I used to go in for infusions I like to have it someone that I'm used to um I remember I had a newbie once I had a newbie do my uh my infusion like the main person who used to do it when I went in for infusion said to me um Mason can um this trainee um do your infusion today and maybe and me, I was like, I don't want to be mean. I can't say no, so I say, yeah, go on. And then knowing that this is only supposed to take maybe a minute to put the needle in, I make sure I drink at least a liter before I go for any sort of injection because that's what they tell you. They say have some have some drink. If they don't, the veins might 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 not work. So I do that. And whenever someone says I can't find a vein, I'm very, I, I question them about it. I say. Um, I I'd be like, how? I've just drunk loads before I've gone. Yeah. Uh, I've got here. So the trainees here, we're we're here ten minutes later, still trying to find the vein. Um, and then I had to say something saying, so something's wrong here. Um, this this can't be right. And then the the main person who does it before took over and did it straight away. But the trainee went to across the room because in the infusion room there's a few people. Went across the room injected someone uh put the needle in and they did not it went in but did not hit the vein so they did wrong and they had to uh i think they had a reaction and then they had to stay here longer start all again so that's why i I don't like uh, i know not all trainees will be the same but um you know when you have an instinct if it's like minutes tops it's fine yeah I mean everyone's still learning and it sucks because we are the patients that they're learning on sometimes <laughs> but um yeah I just hope that people get enough training and because it makes us a little bit afraid and so like we really require that reassurance so making sure that they understand what we're going through and then they try to like you know gain that knowledge gain those skills before they come in do stuff would be great <laughs> yeah <laughs> try on the dummy first um yeah i think they do though i think they do yeah. but i know what you mean like yeah. more you don't want, but things happen and it's really unfortunate and i hope it just does not happen but what can we do yeah 
like even some people who have really bad brains even get injected into I think their thighs and their legs and I can I can imagine having that done um must hurt <laughs> um but you know you know we sometimes we go for in our injections and while they're doing it they talk to us um and they say how have you had a good week how you doing and then probably in our minds well we we like to engage with them but at the same time we want them to get it done because we find um when they talk to us while they're doing it is that it's going to be longer because they want to have a conversation with us which i guess they want to socialize because it, it probably be pretty boring not to socialize with us but at the same time we want to we don't want to be in a hospital <laughs> we want to go in get out yeah no I feel that way I think everyone has their way of navigating that for me like when I get a blood test like I just want to listen to music like I don't really want to have interactions with people and that's just my way of coping with it whereas other people may want to talk like sometimes I remember with my infusions like I did want to talk to the person but I also don't want to distract them so just like lots of things going on in our mind um, but finding what works for you in order to cope and kind of stay calm during that time is really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was when I went into for infusions, I think I made one friend out out of that, but because the rest of the rest of the others were quite old, um, and not you're not all in the infusion room. Maybe getting the same infusion, you might be getting infusion at someone else. Um and the one thing I didn't like about an infusion was that um when you needed a toilet um because you got asked to get unplugged and I was like can I get unplugged I need a toilet and the annoying thing is you can't really go properly because you've got this blooming thing attached to you like your C three PO or or something from Star Wars <laughs> um and yet you're holding this along and like. Someone has to open the door for you. You can't do it all by yourself. Um, and it's, I always picture it. It's almost like you're getting charged. It's like you're a phone and you're getting charged into the port and then you uncharge it so you can go. <laughs> but that is the main thing. But yeah, um, it's I, I personally prefer the, uh, the injections that I have now than having an infusion because you don't have to go into hospital for it. You can do it at home um it's easier but um but talking about like fighting for i guess like talking to maybe doctors or consultants about what we want um i was actually advised to do uh what i'm on now to start with and i didn't want to do it because i was fairly new diagnosed and i uh i wanted to be in hospital so it's good that i did that because as soon as like it was a year before i think the pandemic and i was on what i'm on now at home so it's a good job I did it that way. Otherwise, I would have still been, I would have had to do infusions, I guess, in the hospital, um, the opposite way around. <laughs> yeah. But, like, what with your uh, um, arthritis, uh, Natasha, what, how, like, what, what sort of medication do you take? Yeah, so I think it definitely changed over time. Originally, it was really hard to find medication that works for me. So right now I'm on something called triple therapy, which is methotrexate, which is a subcutaneous injection weekly. And then sulfazalazine and Plaquenil, which are a bunch of pills. <laughs> so I take a lot of pills in an injection. Hopefully, eventually it can change because I've been on it for four years now. And I think that's a long time and my doctor and I are kind of in the process of figuring out what the next steps are in terms of the medications but yeah that's kind of what I've been on now I've had infusions in the past that haven't really worked for me I've had other types of injections on biological medication steroids lots of stuff <laughs> steroids isn't nice is it nope um I had it originally when I was diagnosed for like the first couple months did not help, just made me kind of gain some weight and made me feel not that great. But that was kind of the time that I had it. And then we kind of went on to other medications and kept kind of changing to see what would work. And then I think three years into my diagnosis, like I found a medication that worked for me. So I've been on that ever since. Yeah. It's, it's it's good if you find someone that works for at least a little while. 
Um, but with um, do 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 you get fatigue a lot with with your arthritis? I actually don't, which is really interesting. But a lot of people do, <laughs> so I I don't. Um, but I do have other symptoms like wrist pain a lot. Um, so that's kind of like the worst one is definitely like wrist pain, and it's in my dominant hand, which is my left hand. So. <laughs> It's painful. That's the only real symptom I get from my arthritis right now. I think it's like overusing my joint or using it in a way that is painful. It's something that like triggers the whole situation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. It. It must be like. It. Like the pain levels must like um. It. it is it like some days that they're okay? So some days the pine levels really bad. Is it kind of dependent on days? I think it's just dependent on how much I use it. So if I'm like typing a whole essay and washing the dishes and doing all these things, it's gonna hurt. But if I'm just doing nothing, it's not gonna hurt. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's it's just but the thing is I can't be doing nothing. I have so many things to do. So in that sense it kind of fluctuates. So some days I feel pain, sometimes I don't. It kind of just depends on what I do to exert it. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I get that. Um because it depends on what you do. Like I'd always play um football. I, I I'd love football and I, I used to go to um football camp when I was younger um and I try my best I'm home and my joints are knackered and like I can't walk for days I literally can't I have all these bruises um um my legs hurt and uh, I I I think I could potentially have uh, like even before Crohn's I've always suffered with my joints um it's, it's been one of those things um, I would have to not maybe to walk as fast as other people. I'd have to stop and sit on the bench for a couple of minutes because I'm just I'm just aching and like uh, that that part when doing exercise like really 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 hard. Uh, it will make you tired. So yeah, I've 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 always had some sort of joints thing, um, which links into hypermobility. But still, um. It's not nice. It is. It isn't nice, is it? When when you get the pain. Yeah. Um. So with um, take a pain check. Um, is it let's take a pain check or all take a pain check? It's just take a pain check. Oh, just take it. Just take a pain check. Um. So. You was diagnosed with arthritis at thirteen. So well. How long has that been going on and um, just take, take a pain check? Uh, so take a pain check has been going on since I was 18. So it's been two years. I'm 20 now. So yeah, take a pain check has been going on then. So the podcast is called Take a Pain Check and the foundation is called Take a Pain Check Foundation. So the foundation is a nonprofit and then the Take a Pain Check is the podcast. Okay. Okay. So... Did you start off like of course you started for a podcast and then it how long after you start that to do the podcast did you take it into like the um nonprofit? Yeah, I I started the podcast in March twenty twenty one and the nonprofit was October twenty twenty one. So a couple months after, I'd say like six seven months ish. Um, yeah. What what was kind of process of that like to to turn it into a, a non profit? Lots of paperwork, lots of, <laughs> lots of paperwork, yeah. and also you know coming up with the name, and figuring out now, it's and I think for a long time I was still in the mindset that I was a podcast even when I was a foundation. It didn't really hit me till I got thirty plus volunteers, and I'm like, what am I doing? And then it's like, okay, now you have to bring, like, build these policies, build this structure for your organization. How does the communication happen? How does all these different things happen? Because I lead a team of 30 to 50 people, 
now. And I it didn't hit me till I was like a couple, like a year later. I think even this year I was like, oh wait, I have volunteers that work under me. I need to have these policies in place. I need to have all these things in place, find a platform that we can all work on, schedule meetings, do all this. So it's definitely been a journey in terms of, it's basically running a business. And I mean, it's a nonprofit business. So it's been like writing grant applications, like doing all these things to help support people with arthritis yeah. within our foundation. Yeah. That's the good thing about it. Like you just, like you've got a community going there that help, you can help uh, support people with arthritis and people share their journey. So that's the best thing about it. Yeah. Um. So l- last couple of things, Natasha, because we spoke about a lot um, about, about like your journey, about um, j- just a plain check. Um, um, with like yourself, because I, 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 on the podcast, I always like to ask people um, away from what they do, away from their journey, um, like what hobbies do you have that maybe don't involve, uh, it, it might involve, it might just be that, but is there anything else that you maybe you like to do in your spare time? Um, really yeah, that's an interesting question um okay so i like to do research <laughs> and i also sing so a lot of people don't know that about me like i've been taking singing lessons since i was six years old so on the side i do singing lessons i participate in like contests competitions performances musical theater different things like that so that's what i was kind of brought up doing when i was growing up with my brother we both did it together and research. I kind of got passionate about it once I was diagnosed with arthritis. So I'm involved in a lot of research studies as a patient partner. So I give my advice on research projects and also as a research student. So I do the research with the principal investigator and research teams. So that's kind of my other side hobby. I really like learning about arthritis and seeing how things are changing over time in terms of the research. So those are two things that I do, singing, research, and the podcast, I guess, is also a hobby. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's something that people don't know about you. You know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, what, 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 what kind of genre of music? Is it just any or like, um, what, what? Um, so I was doing the Royal Conservatory of Music, which is like the the actual exam to become like a certified like teacher. So I'm in my level eight right now. And so we sing classical pieces in German, French, English, Italian. So all of that, um, I kind of do that with my vocal teacher to do exams and then hopefully be like kind of certified in that. And then I'll sing like pop songs, musical theater songs, like Indian classical music songs, like lots of different genres. I don't sing like rock and country and stuff, but I sing like musical theater, pop, uh, yeah, classical music, lots of different genres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that is good. It's a good hobby to have. Um singing I, I i love music i always like whenever i let's say write a podcast up i always have to listen to some sort of music otherwise i won't concentrate um so i i love to listen to soundtracks really like soundtracks from different shows um it like what whenever i listen to that i picture myself in the moment of where that is set and a picture i'm just doing it like or something running or, or something like that <laughs> But yeah, that that is good hobby to have. Um, maybe one day you'll have to share with everyone that um, maybe a song, uh, or something. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, because yeah, I I, I didn't know about you. You're like you're saying, probably no one else knew that. Um, from uh, just take a pain check, know that about you. Uh, unless you told them that is, but uh, <laughs> um, but the research bit is is good. Yeah, I didn't tell Take a Pain Check listeners about that, (laughs) so I did not. It's it's interesting. I don't know. I just never shared it, but I guess now they know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If if any of them listen to this or or watch this, they'll they'll know. They'll know now. Your secrets out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing my secret. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And I think you knew I was going to ask that question as well, so a bit of a surprise. Um, but the last question you do know what I'm going to say is, um, would you mind just saying maybe a little bit, a bit about like, maybe advice that you'd give out to anyone else, maybe with a chronic illness, arthritis? Yeah, I would say to stay patient and calm just because things do get better. Like when we're diagnosed with arthritis, we are stressed out. We don't know what's going to happen next. It's just so hard to navigate that. And we feel like our life is over. We don't know what to do. We don't know how people will react to this new diagnosis. But I think with experience and growing up and constantly meeting new people, experiencing new challenges and hurdles, you really like have, you gain resilience and you realize how to advocate for yourself and things end up getting better. Like you're able to gain those skills. So I guess just stay patient and calm because you'll be able to gain those skills in order to learn how to navigate your chronic illness. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's some re re really good advice there. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree because um, it does help to like, like say navigate and yeah really good advice but i hope you've enjoyed yourself N natasha like coming on the podcast yeah it was great talking to you yeah it, 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 it was really fun um and yeah like um yeah i, I look forward to hearing you sing one day um <laughs> yeah thank you um and to anyone listening watching we hope you've enjoyed it as well um and yeah just um just i will uh, attach like on on the description about just pain like, just the pain check and you can check out what they do a little bit about uh, natasha as well on today's episode but yeah hope you enjoy it Where, wherever you're listening if you're across the pond in america or if you're somewhere else in the world um because now it's crazy when i l l look at how people listen to it it's all over the place um so yeah it's 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 good though. It, it's good that it goes across the world. Yeah. But yeah, thanks, Natasha. Hope you have a nice rest of your day. Um, and yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you.